Please listen carefully. And now, live from an airport commandeered by cosplayers, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast. Featuring two cartoon characters with overly animated mouths, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast live from Anime Dallas. Kevin is over here. Mikey, over here. And we have a great guest, one of the many guests and folks who are here at Anime Dallas. And I think it's one of the coolest ones because he brought birds. He brought raptors. It's Dennis from Raptors Keep. How's it going, Dennis? Going good. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, we had to stop and talk to you because uh, like, we, we, this is our second time out at Anime Dallas. And okay. we, we kind of know what we're going to expect to see when we get to Anime Dallas. Some cosplay, some voiceover actors, some great panels. But to have Birds of Prey, you never see Birds of Prey at an anime convention. As far as I know, we are the first group to ever be at an anime convention in the United States. Oh, wow. First ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. How I've, long have you guys been going? Uh, I've been in this for about 14 years. Okay. I started as a falconer and then got into rehabilitation and then got into conservation education. A so, falconer is that like is that like just is that a occupation or a hobby? A falconer. Well, it's an expensive hobby. An expensive <laughs> hobby, and that's that's where you that's where you're you're spinning the meat around on a yes on a string, mm-hmm. and you you have the cool glove yep. and all that stuff. Yeah, and you have all the scars. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> well, look, he does have all. He's got yeah. all kinds of raptor scars on his hand. There you go. And we'll, we'll dive into the nerdiness of that, because I want to hear all about being a falconer. Uh, but first, can you give us a little breakdown of what Raptors Keep is? You mentioned for education, you mentioned for conservative ship. Right. What we are is a uh, federally permitted by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Conservation Education Organization. Okay. We basically have proven to their, to their stipulations that we have enough experience to handle birds they permit to us. We don't own any of the birds. Okay. They send them to us. Um, there's all kinds of regulations. My favorite one is they can do a 24-7 no-knock. What does that mean? Come in and inspect your facility anytime. Oh, wow. Wow. Make make sure you're on the up and up and taking care of those birds proper. But it's a great thing in a way because it actually keeps the puppy mill effect from people just warehousing birds, not knowing what they're doing. So in a way, I really appreciate what they do for us. But we've we've got nine birds total. They're required to have their own facility, regulated the size. We have to have animal husbandry knowledge, all that boring stuff. Then we get to fly them. So that's a that's a cool thing. Um, to the extent these birds can't ever be released back in a while, but to the extent they can be exercised, we provide that enrichment for them. What what's, what would be the reason they can't go back out in the wild just because they wouldn't have a chance? Or? We, we've had some. Um, I've got one right now that I picked up about three months ago. Thought he was going to become my new falconry bird. Actually, ended up having cancer. Mm. Had a toe removed. Oh no! And was just cleared this week to fly. He didn't have to have chemo. Didn't have to have radiation. Um, Cornell University did the biopsy work for us and, and said everything's clear. So he got to fly for the first time ever last night when we did our show last night. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So it was it was really special for us to be able to do that here in Dallas. It's kind of funny that they have clearance like that. It makes him sound like a little pilot. He's clear for flight again. <laughs> <laughs> so nine birds. You're going to have to you're gonna tell us the nine. Okay. Tell us the nine birds that we have. Here. I have I've, with me, I've got the North American turkey vulture. Okay. I've got a Eurasian eagle owl, which is non native here. It's oh. the largest owl species on the planet. 
ranges from northern Siberia down to Ethiopia, and they take deer and wolf in the wild. Oh, okay. So they are a true apex predator. Yeah, these are birds of prey. Yeah, I've got a Harris hawk with me, um, female, that's actually the flyer, the main flyer in the show. They're from around Midland, Odessa, Texas, out to Baja, California, and in that area. Okay. I've got the, the Thor, the one that just had surgery, is a immature red tail. He's probably about, like I say, about five months old. Yeah. I call him one in a million because the fact that the fishing game found him, the fact that we were able to get him into a knowledgeable raptor vet and do the surgery, he'd have been a snack somewhere otherwise. Oh, it's, it, and it's so good to hear that you're taking care of little birds like that. Yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy. We've got a great horned owl at home and a couple other hawks at home. One of them's got a roundworm in its right eye. Oh, wow. So it can't be released. If you ever want to be a cool occupation, kids, yes. be sure and go to school because he sees a zoological ophthalmologist once every three months, and they make the money. I oh, mean, wow. ophthalmologists, they make money are like hand over fist to begin with. Yeah. And then specialize in birds. Wow. Bird's eye view. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you said you have a vulture. Is that Those are the vultures that we have around here in Texas, yes. right? Uh-huh. So I'm going to ask you a question. Sometimes you see them like just flocking around. What, mm-hmm. are, are they after something? Is there something that they're smelling dead that they're stuff. coming to? Is dead stuff? It's the, actually the outgassings, the methane and the other outgassings yeah. from the carcasses. A couple of quick things on these guys. First of all, around in the mid-90s, U.S. Fish and Game will go out and follow the vultures and they can go find the, the carcasses and they can kind of keep up on the health and wellness of the species that are out there. Yeah. Well, there'd been a murder in Utah and they couldn't find the body. And U.S. Fish and Wildlife was out doing one of their trackings, and the vultures actually led them to the body. Oh, wow. So they were able to solve the murder. And then they've noticed them out several times just flying and coming down, and there's nothing there. And they started tracking what it was. They can actually smell the methane from a pipeline leak three days before the pipeline company could pick it up. wow. So, yeah, they are cool. Wow. That's super cool. I didn't know they had such a keen sense of smell. That's really cool. Yeah, it's always interesting when you just see them gathering, and they'll be like, they'll almost be like a line of them off into the horizon, and they're just all coming from wherever they were, like queuing up for a meal. For snacks. Yeah, for snacks. (laughs) I know this is a tough question, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, and I know it's like picking your favorite child, but of the birds that you have, which one do you resonate or connect the most with? I would have to say Gracie the Harris Hawk. Okay. They're a social animal. They're the only raptor that hunts in in a pack. We call them wolves of the sky. They'll stack up and go out, and then they stay together as a family unit all their lives. Of course, the female may have five different sets of DNA in the nest, but so they can keep the gene pool clean. But so they'll, they'll group up and like come yeah. from okay yeah little uh yeah but she's absolutely my favorite to work with um she is smarter than me we'll do something on stage or when we're at home two or three times and she's figured it out and knows the cue ahead of, of time so she's usually there before i get there she's wow. a natural performer then absolutely <laughs> and she knows it <laughs> that makes sense yeah, because I'd imagine like these birds being so unique, they have their own personalities and temperament. And oh, absolutely! Every once in a while, they'll get up on the wrong side of the perch, and you have to deal with that. But uh, <laughs> wrong side of the perch. I haven't had my. What do you have to feed Gracie pre-show to make sure she's ready to go? Uh, we actually feed her during the show. It's they don't actually bond with us except for a conditioned food response. Okay. They know there's food on that glove every time. That's the guarantee for them. And that's how we get them. That's the bond they establish and we establish. So if you're out in the wild hunting, 
they'll come back to you. But today um, we have the classic mouse. Uh, oh, there you go. Yes, post mouse. They're not actually. Yeah, they don't want us doing hunting demonstrations on the stage. There you go. But now I have an accurate reference for when the bird's being a diva. She's like, I haven't had my mouse yet. That's right. <laughs> I always think it's interesting. I love, I love, one of the parts about being here in Texas is that you'll see them out in the wild. You see hawks a lot mm -hmm. out in the wild, red tails and things like that. But I always love the interactions with them and other birds, especially when like mockingbirds and stuff will get angry that they're mm -hmm. around, and it'll it'll look like a World War II scene where like a bomber and a fighter yes, are going absolutely. after each other. That's um, that's amazing. Now, do they mostly plant prey on like rodents and stuff on the ground, or do they go after birds like that too? The, will they go after mockingbirds and stuff? The hawks are pretty much ground animals. Yeah. Uh, Voles, moles, mice, snakes, that type thing. Mm -hmm. The falcons tend to be the ones that will take birds out of the yeah. air. Okay. But, I mean, mockingbirds will attack people if you get too close oh, to their nest. They don't, they, don't mess with, yeah. they don't mess with anybody. Okay, so they go after rodents and mice and stuff like that. But how often are you having to deal with the birds going after you? You, were, you mentioned you got the scars on your hands. Part of it's occupational hazard. Yep. Part of it is not paying attention on my part. It's, <laughs> it's never... It's aggression to the extent that that's they're doing what they know to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but you can you can get poked with the talons if they come in and land and, and miss the glove a little bit. I got gotcha. you. You could have something like that. If you've got food in your hand and you're not quick enough getting it to the glove to transfer it, mm -hmm. you don't want to do that very often because then they associate that pink meat of the mouse with the pink meat of your hand. Oh and, no! Yeah. So. Wow. You, hey, those are good tips, man. <laughs> <laughs> good tips. So how did you come to falconry? Uh, I always tell people it was because of cutting up a quail. Okay. Who, the man who became my master falconer, actually my wife at the time, was really enamored with the birds of prey. Okay. And I could have cared less at the time, so she talked me into going to a show. Uh, the show was over. I was backstage talking to him, and he threw a quail at me, an ex-quail, and... Uh, said cut this up i said okay do you want it for human consumption he said no for the birds ah. so i cut it up he said now you go over there and feed that bird the eurasian eagle owl one of which we have here the largest owl species on the planet it's a gorgeous owl yep. yeah she is but uh so i cut it up i fed her and i was basically hooked i've been a falconer for 14 years got into rehabilitation Part of the rehabilitation is if they can't put a bird back up in 120 days, they have to put them down. Oh, okay. But with facilities like ours, they can come to our facility and live out the rest of their lives, and we can give them the care that they need, and we can give them that, that experience that they otherwise wouldn't have. So that's where I wanted to end up. That's so great. But to dive more into the nerdiness, because that's something we like to do on our podcast, is like we appreciate when somebody has that nerd spark. There's something that the catalyst to make them get into a subject and just learn everything about it. For falconry, was it like going to clubs or was it like school or just finding you, people in the in the community? You have to find a sponsor. Um, you have to take a state test, which there's California Hawking Club has probably the best guide out there. You have to learn all kinds of animal husbandry, obviously how to process the food. Mm -hmm. By sense of smell, you know whether the food's good or not. Yes. You have to learn... You have to build your housing specific to what U.S. Fish and Wildlife says. You got a lot of books to read, and I—that's probably been one thing all my life. Is I'm—I'm I'm a book nerd, if you will. Hey, it's perfect. Eight years old, I read the Unabridged Dracula, and I've been hooked ever since. Eight years old, and you read what? I'm sorry. The Unabridged Dracula. Oh. Yeah. We were just talking about that for Spooky Season about two weeks ago for <laughs> Halloween. Dracula. No. It's a classic. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, but it just—a lot of people nerd on different things. 
I don't know what your audience crowd is like, so I'll try to be gentle on this. <laughs> but in part of the animal husbandry, one of the things we get to do is play in bird poop. <laughs> All day. All day, every day. And why you do that, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but you can take a toothpick through what we call a mute, which is the bird poop. Okay. And run a toothpick real slow through there. And if anything's moving, you can identify five different types of roundworms or flatworms. Okay. So I can figure out before my bird starts to show a massive weight loss or other symptoms, I can figure that out and get them into the vet and get them taken care of. You're, you're, it sounds like you're halfway to being a crime scene investigator. Like you can, <laughs> you can pick that stuff out. If it was, well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a kid uh, in school, they had us like uh, take apart owl pellets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, and so, then there's like an entire mouse skeleton in mm -hmm. there. With all the hair and everything, it's crazy. We actually save those for the schools. Oh, okay. We'll take the pellets and put them in the freezer, and then we don't sell them. A lot of people will sell them to the schools. Mm -hmm. We just donate them to the oh, schools. So that probably came from someone like you back in the day. That's kind of <laughs> cool. So falconry traditionally, like in olden times, th did they use it for hunting? Oh, yeah. it was. It's the oldest known hunting sport. It's about yeah. 5,000 years old. Um, if you come forward around the time of King Henry, Queen Elizabeth... Everybody had a bird assigned to them by class. There's a bird called the common buzzard in Europe and in England. Common coming from the common person. They're basically our red tail equivalent. Oh. And that bird is bulletproof. They have hares. We have jackrabbits. You take a hare in the middle of winter, you can feed the family a couple more days. Oh. Wow. That's cool. I don't nerd on this stuff at all. No, no it's, it's great. Because, you know, that's my main, the reason why I've seen any falconry at all is because I'm a nerd and I have been to the medieval times and they have a falcon Absolutely. show at medieval times. And then there's also a really good, at the State Fair of Texas, there's a really good bird show mm -hmm. that they do mm -hmm. out there um, where they have, I think they have a falcon come from the uh, the, Ferris, the Ferris wheel. It's a Ferris wheel, right? That yeah, giant Ferris, Ferris wheel. wheel. They have it come from the like the the A in Texas or something, and that giant Ferris Holy wheel cow. all the way down to that auditorium. It's well, like Falcons, a long flight. Falcons are cool. They're a little frenetic, but they actually, with the advent of GPS being miniaturized to put on the birds, they clocked one pre-COVID at over 230 mile an hour. Wow! Officially the fastest on the planet. Oh, wow. that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. And isn't there something now that I've heard about with falcons uh, showing up in like or hawks or like in places like New York City and stuff like they're using yes, the, the peregrine falcons yeah. are actually coming in and since they are, are bird hunters anyway they're using them for pigeon eradication right and they live on they like it's like they're cliffs to them but they're actually mm -hmm. the big buildings in Absolutely. New York City that's kind of neat but that's neat that they're bringing them in for population control like Absolutely. we have too many pests let's bring in the natural hunter of them mm -hmm. uh, if you get called out for that, that's cool. But it's cool that you do outreach for schools and stuff. How often are you going out? And is it the same show you're putting on here that you do at schools? We tailor it um, depending on the age of the kids. Okay. Obviously, we'll tailor it for the kids. Uh, we do VA hospitals. We do Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Um, pretty much anybody that calls. We're tasked by Fish and Wildlife to do X number of shows anyway. And we do well over that because we just love doing it. There you go. And I, I don't want to call it cosplay, but we are at Anime Dallas. You do have a cosplay for yourself, but you're, you're all decked out in like a falconer garb. Pretty much. Um, uh, traditionally, you'd have seen us in kilts <laughs> out, in the, out in the moors and the highlands. But, but it also means you're probably ready to go to do this bird show at a renaissance fair. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, we do Kansas City. We do University of Oklahoma. We, do, uh, we help out with a friend of mine at Muskogee. We wow. pretty much travel anywhere. In fact, I'll be in Alabama next weekend doing the Jubilee Fair. Oh, wow. Jubilee Fair in Alabama. 
that, that's how I knew we bonded because you can sense the other Ren Fair nerds and oh, it's yeah. like, oh, you, you look like you party at a Ren Fair. <laughs> yeah, I uh, was actually at the original 1977 OU Medieval Fair. Oh wow! Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so wow. I've been nerding on this for a long time. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah, Ren Fair. I I mean, they're more fun to me now than I mean I had fun back in the day. Oh, of course. But, but now, like, your oh, people almost think they're supposed to go dressed up. Absolutely. But I mean, back in the day. I rem- I used to go with my friends. This was like in the '90s, and we'd dress up, and people would thought we work there because exactly. the only people who dress up were the people who work there. Yeah, people love to be patrons now, is yeah. what we call them from patrons. the other side. Not, oh, look at that! See? I'm writing that down. <laughs> I didn't. I've never heard of patrons before. That's great. Wow. Yeah, in in rock and roll shows, we just call them posers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll throw you a quick fact while you're thinking about that. Let's do it. You see all these television shows and movies, and you hear that eagle with that beautiful scream? Yeah. That's a red-tailed hawk. That's not Eagles squawk like a chicken. Really? Yes, and they're not the brightest birds. I would have taken the turkey over the bald eagle when Benjamin Franklin was trying to figure it out. (laughs) Turkeys are a lot smarter. But that was the original debate. The the national Mm -hmm. bird was supposed to be a turkey. Yep, it was. And the the wild turkey, too, not the the fat one you think of now. (laughs) Well, that's what people think it's a joke because they think of the... Fat Thanksgiving turkey, mm-hmm. but it's he was looking at those wild turkeys that well they they have them on booze bottles. <laughs> <laughs> like the woman that goes into the store and says, "Sir," talking to the the help there and says, "Sir, do these turkeys get any bigger?" And he says, "No, ma'am, they're dead." <laughs> <laughs> That's the size they will remain. <laughs> That's funny because I've I've heard that scree just walking around mm-hmm. from a bird in the and I was like. I was like, there's no eagles around here. <laughs> Is there anything else when you tell people like a specific fact about a bird that shocks people more than anything else? Um, owls cannot turn their head all the way around except for one time and then it falls off. <laughs> <laughs> they can go 270 degrees. They have 14 neck bones where we have seven. Okay. Also, you, you guys may have seen scorpions in a black light, how they fluoresce. Yep. Yeah. You know what else fluoresces? Owls? Urine. Oh, wow. that makes so sense. So owls are colorblind, but they can see in the the uh, UV, the ultraviolet spectrum. So if a mouse takes off in the dark yep. and runs under some brush, the first thing they do is get scared. Well, you know, like little kids. So oh. they can follow that trail, and their ears are offset on their heads, so they've got kind of an echolocation hearing. Yeah, yeah. They never have to see it to kill it. Wow. Expert apex hunters. They are. They're and fascinating. They, they kill for sport. They're the only raptor that kills for sport. Oh, okay. Really? They'll just kill it and leave. But if you think about it, if you're a coyote or a bobcat that's been out there, you've had a couple of bad days, hadn't got some food, and you come across that, that could be the difference in life and death. I get it. And it certainly helps the turkey vultures out. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Wow. But that means owls are kind of the jerks of the bird world then? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are. But, I mean, that, like... I mean, we're talking, we're at Anime Dallas here, and we're talking about nerdy stuff. I mean, the, these creators who make, like, superheroes based on animals are are sleeping on the owl. Absolutely. I mean, that's like a, that's like a superpower. I mean, if you could do that as a superhero, Owlman? Why is there no Owlman? Oh, absolutely. And they make them goofy when they make them, like Clash of the Titans with that little mechanical one. Oh, that was, what, I forget his name, like Habo or Hubu? Something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about him on the podcast. He, he, yeah. he, he was a hot topic of debate because that was very silly. <laughs> Where does that sleep? I want Owlman. We're all getting all Batman. Look at bats. 
They're there, just scary, that's all. There, w- there was Night Owl and the Watchmen, but... Night Owl and the Watchmen. Yeah, they didn't last long. Yeah, and he wasn't going around <laughs> killing for sport. Yeah. I want to see that Owl. Oh, absolutely. Or like, or like being able to like just see in the UV spectrum and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. You could put them in a Suicide Squad. They'd fit in perfectly. I know. <laughs> there we go. See? Oh, Owl. <laughs> We're developing the Owl superhero oh. or supervillain. You, you know, right and now. somebody's going to take this and use it, right? Yeah. We get no credit. We, yeah. This is documented, so we yeah. have copyright. It's on it. There we go. Copyright Assuming Productions LLC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking, you said you were going to be out at the Ren Fair, the Jubilee Fest out in Alabama. Uh, how often are you out and about so where people can come and catch you? We're usually, we usually have two to three months a year off, deep in the summer and deep in the winter. Gotcha. And it helps with us a little bit. It helps with the birds. We can get them in, uh, get them in early in the spring, get their West Nile virus shots. There you go. Um, need to get that done for them because I'm from Oklahoma and it's a lot of uh, West Nile up there going around. And it gives us time to, to work with them to try different things, to see what um, what things they're interested in and they're not interested in. Yeah, and it, I mean, especially it, it seems like half the work you're doing is just rehabilitating and take care of, take caring of them and making sure they have a place to stay and thrive and get back, be cleared for flight. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, that's every day, probably. So does, uh, does Raptors Keep have a social media or a way they can find you online? Right now you can find us on Facebook at Raptors Keep. Oh, cool. And you can find you can always email us at RaptorsKeep at Gmail. Uh, been a little unsuccessful getting somebody to do my uh, web page. There you go. Um, found a couple of people that seem really good, but you know sometimes you pay them, sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But we're working on. We've got a guy now that's that's got it up. It's under construction. It's going to be actually RaptorsKeep.edu. Okay. Okay. So that'll be coming in uh, hopefully in the next three or four months. There you go. And absolutely check them out on social media. Go follow them because the show, you're doing another show today. You did a show yesterday, and uh, it's just fantastic to watch just to be able to experience those master hunters. Absolutely. They're, and love, love working with these guys and love the reactions from the kids to everybody else. And I've got to say, I've been at a lot of shows in a lot of places. Some of the most respectful people and best questions I've had have come from here. From little kids all the way up, this has been a really, really good crowd to work with. I believe it, right. and then it's it's sort of been a constant theme for the con and most of the panels is that it's just it's such a good sense of community out here, and people have a passion for what they're doing, whether it's anime or birds or manga, you know, like absolutely. If you have something interesting to talk about, people will listen. Yep, totally agree. Well, thanks for coming out, Dennis. It's been great talking to you. I hey, appreciate it, guys. Everyone follow Raptors Keep out there. And shout out to you, Anime Dallas, for being awesome. Yeah. Right? And, and always, you can find us at Assuming Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter. Uh, we also can Gmail us at assumingpositions at gmail.com. Dot com. Every time I ask Mikey what format does he want it in, you want it from a, like a pigeon, right? A no. pigeon bird yeah, message? Yeah, some, some bird. I want a bird-delivered <laughs> aviation message. Absolutely. That's easy. So we want to thank Dennis so much for being on the pod. We want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Not Scott Productions for our equipment, Jazzar for our music, and we hope you guys have a great week, and stay tuned for more Anime Dallas content. Oh, Anime Dallas. So fun. <laughs>